Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Mike Cashin, and joining me, as sometimes he joins me, is our old friend Tyler Watts. What's up, Tyler? Oh, new phone, who dis? Oh, sh- is, it, is this not Tyler? Is, I get the wrong number. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, uh, no, it's Tyler. been a while. I've been uh, attending to a personal matter of my own, but uh, I'm back. I'm ready. I'm, well, it's good, I'm it's good to have you back because I, I'm fairly sure people do not like listening to me talk to myself. Uh, I don't know about that, man. I don't know I about enjoy all that. I talk to myself all the time. <laughs> I'm my only friend, so I talk to myself yeah. too. Don't worry about it. I'm great at talking to myself. But for the uh, the sake of the listeners, I, I think everybody's pretty happy to have you back. How was your um, first week of fancy basketball? Um, unfortunately, I didn't see as much basketball as I wanted to see, but it was good. Um, we saw some surprising performances, some expected performances some terrible performances some terrible injuries just it was a wild week as always in the nba yeah i think it's been it's been interesting but nothing is nothing crazy has popped out to me there hasn't been uh anything that either we didn't kind of see coming some of the players we've been targeting over the preseason i think there's been a few breakout people and a few players that in rotations that are um, interesting, which we are going to get to, but like, there's no like, oh my god, you got to pick that guy up. Other than like Jalen Brown after game one, which I don't know if Jalen Brown even made it out of most people's drafts. Yeah, I mean, and Jason Tatum, right? I mean, I think Jason Tatum was a big pickup there in week one. Um, the most surprising thing to me was just how horrendous the Suns played, and it was surprising to the GM and the owner too because they fired the coach, right? So. Um, went like a whole year with no coach getting fired, and then three games into the season, Earl Watson gets the boot. Yeah, he probably should have got fired uh, about five, six months ago. He should have never been the coach. I mean, let's face it, like not to be rude or anything to him, he seems like a good guy, but I don't think he was NBA coaching material, really. No, nah, he was a young coach. I don't think he was ready. Uh, he's probably better than Fred Hoiberg, but other than that, um, if you can argue that you might not be better than Fred Hoiberg, you got to go. I, I think you could probably set a trash can on the sideline and it would be better than Fred Hoiberg. I think I saw a trash can on fire next to the, the court during the game, the first Bulls game. So um, that might actually just be happening. I might just be mistaking a trash can on fire for Fred Hoiberg. It's a good possibility. But no, for the, uh, in the Lister League, we, uh, we both came out on, on top. Uh, you won against Trust the Prospects 5-4 and, um, I took down an old Dunkin' Donuts 6'3". Uh, not, not a bad start to the year. Yeah, no, I'm just looking forward to our matchup, Mike. I'm hoping that's coming up fast. I don't know what week that is, but uh, it will be a, be a good week unless my entire team is injured. Uh, and there have been a lot of injuries to, uh, to start the season. In, uh... It's not an abnormal thing, right? A lot of times right here at the beginning we get a lot of muscle injuries, a lot of like – nagging injuries pop up i think guys just try to ramp it up a little too quickly they didn't take their preseason training quite uh serious enough and then they get a little bit of a muscle injury or a little bit of an injury here early on and then usually they're good to go until it gets to be the end of the season i think in the middle of the season we usually don't see a ton of ton of injuries except for the real bad ones like an acl or a torn achilles something crazy like that yeah i think there's a lot of banged up guys out there you saw uh miles turner out with a concussion uh, there's been Jermichael Green, who has a high ankle sprain, which 
Um, I'm a little worried about that high ankle sprain. High ankle sprains are not something to uh, to tread lightly with. Those can linger for like an entire season. Yeah, no, and then he's got one of those injuries too that you hate because it's like very ambiguous of like they're not really saying like, oh, he's out two weeks or four weeks. It's like uh, he might be back whenever indefinitely, and it's always hard to judge like how hurt is he really, What what's really going on there. Yeah, I don't trust high ankle sprains. I've uh, and Jermichael Green, while could have been um, kind of a guy who sneaks up into uh, the, the middle of the pack this year, um, I've kind of dro- I've started dropping him in most of my leagues, the, my standard leagues anyway, just simply because I don't want to wait around for him. I don't know when he's going to be back. High ankle sprains are are, are kind of season well, killers. I'm I'm not waiting. And you got to figure too that at some point, right, that Parsons' minutes are going to go up from the 15 he can play now. And I don't, I don't know about they, that. Well, they they claim he's only playing power forward this season, so that's eating into Jermichael Green's role right there. Because I don't think Jermichael Green's getting minutes over Marcus All. So Jermichael Green isn't going to play the big minutes that he's seen some some years in the past. Marcus Soul's been killing it. Um, I've been uh, impressed with what he's doing. He's um he's coming out swinging this year. Um, one of my favorite players to watch. Always, always one of my favorites. Um, but yeah, we usually don't see the big injuries like Hayward, uh, which we've already talked about. And Jeremy Lin, uh, it sounds like he is going to be out for the rest of the season. Um, though it sounds like he will be back. I, it's, they said no serious damage, but it's not like um, <clears throat> it's not like the Hayward injury. Like Lin, Lin's going to be out, and hopefully he can, he can come back next year. But it, they're saying that he should be able to come back next year. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's one of those ones where, I mean, I don't know that there's huge long-term effects. Um, I was reading an article about, like, the three previous guys who've had it. Uh, one missed, like, eight months. The other one missed, like, a whole year. And the other one missed, like, ten months. And they've all came back and performed relatively at the level they performed before. So uh, chances are pretty good. I mean, every injury is different. There could be complications. There could be setbacks. But he looks like he's going to be fine for next year. Um, probably going to pick up that team option, be back with them, I would think, or that player option, be back with them, just because I don't know that you want to go into free agency uh, coming off a season where you played three quarters. Yeah, after injury like that, I don't think you want to test the market, and um, that kind of hamstrings the uh, – I don't know hamstrings is the right word, but kind of holds the uh, Brooklyn Nets in limbo for another year, even though they were probably going to be in limbo for another year either way. But that does make it D'Angelo Russell's team uh, – I got his stock going up. Is there anyone else on the uh, Brooklyn Nets now with Lynn's minutes kind of gone that you are you're liking more than other players? Um, well, I hear everybody getting nice and pumped up about Karis LeVert, right? But it's important to remember Alan Crabb's on a minutes limit. Um, they were the team who actually offered Crabb that huge contract, and then Brooklyn matched it, and then they traded Crabb to him. Gets fully healthy here. I think Crabb kind of takes that role. Um, Crab's not a great player for fantasy because he's really just going to be points and threes, but I think that Karis Levert is kind of a short-term ad. Yeah, I went out and said Levert's probably the guy to target because of his fantasy ability. You know, he could get kind of across the board stats. I don't think he's really a three-point shooter, but, you know, he's he can get some steals. He might block the, the occasional shot. I liked him a little bit better than Crab, but uh, in the long term, I think Crab probably takes those minutes. And Krebs probably a he's probably like a top one hundred guy. I, I think he's standardly relevant, but it's it's at the bottom of my standard leagues. I think he's in that buddy healed mold of kind of like you know fourteen to fifteen points maybe, and once he gets fully healthy and some threes. But 
he's not really going to give you steals or blocks or anything else that you want. A few rebounds and you know. So if you're on if you're owning Buddy Hill in your league, then you could probably own Alan Crabb. Yeah, Damari Carroll actually is off to a pretty good start for this Brooklyn team. He has nothing but playing time in front of him. He will be fine. And he's been actually hitting his shots. I mean, small sample size alert, which we will probably – we should probably get an official drop for that because that's all we're going to be using is small sample sizes. Damari Carroll, are you uh, are you buying or selling on, on Damari Carroll this year? Well, the question is where what, – what's the price, right? I mean, if I can just pick Carroll up off the waiver wire, sure, I, I might do that. Um, I don't think he's going to be what he's been so far. But at the same time, I mean, the steals have the potential to be pretty juicy. And he's going to hit you some three-pointers. And he's probably going to get you some rebounds. So, I mean, there's three categories he can help you in. Now the field goal percentage is probably going to be poor. The free throw percentage is probably not going to be great. And he's probably going to get you, I don't know, 11 points, which isn't great, but it isn't horrendous. So, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, in in a 12-team league, maybe that's like – well, my last guy, I'm probably more into streaming that than even holding that. Um, in a bigger league, it's probably a guy's on my roster. Yeah, I think what I'm, uh, where, where I'm trying to go with this is that Demar Carroll looks really, really good now. But in reality, he's gonna. Most of these players end up reverting to their means. Very few players break out, and Demar Carroll is one actually one of the few players who broke out at a later age. But he's not gonna break out again at a later age. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, we've seen he's seen his his career year, right? I mean, he yeah. got 31 minutes that year, 12 points. You know, he's gotten 1.7 steals in a season. He's gotten five rebounds. I mean, like if that's something that interests you, sure. Um, the only thing I could say is he could shoot a few more threes in that Brooklyn lineup that's playing faster. Um, so that that number could be a new career high. But he's also shooting at a really high percentage right now, so probably. Yeah, try not to get your hopes up about tomorrow, Carol and. One of the one of the things I've been preaching, and I will continue to preach, and I've said it in, in, in probably in every podcast. I uh, will say this, uh, give this speech for the next two weeks. So get prepared for that, everyone. Um, stop panicking, Demarik, and, and on the reverse of that, stop thinking these waiver wire fringe players who have a good two to three games are suddenly top fifty prospects. You know, Demarik Carroll is a perfect guy to sell to the guy who's panicking. Oh, you you need someone for uh, Jimmy Butler struggling? Well, give me some mid tier guy for Damari Carroll. It works. People are panicking left and right out there, Tyler. Oh yeah, no doubt. So you want to have a little discussion about your boy D'Angelo Russell? I yeah, let's let's have one. Okay, so he was a borderline terrible field goal shooter for the Lakers, uh, forty one and forty and a half percent in two years. Um, he's come out and he shot 51% in the first three games on 17 attempts per game, um, getting seven assists, four rebounds, some huge steal numbers. Um, I, I just want to know really if what you think that shooting percentage is going to be or be at this year and how many points that translates into. Uh, at 51% right now, he's 21 points a game. I definitely don't see those numbers holding up. So – the the difference is like small like once again small sample size alert. It's been three games. He's shooting fifty one percent. That happens. You know, any player can shoot fifty one percent over three games, even at a high volume. Well, maybe not any player. Let me let me take that back. But um, D'Angelo Russell, I say I'll challenge you with Stanley Johnson. Yeah, he he can really learn uh, how to go for thirteen again. Um, 
Boy, that's that's a shame. Uh, that, but, that man just cannot shoot, unfortunately. I mean, I know that he's getting big minutes, but even in a bit, even in a deeper league, it's so hard for me to pick him up because he's gonna shoot like eight shots a game, and he can't make a one man. At, at least he's, you know what? At least he's shooting. At least he's getting that ball and going. I haven't made one in the last twenty shots, but here's this is the one. Ah. No, I'd rather have him not shoot. Or like pull the Ronda Hollis Jefferson where he just like only lays it in, right? Yeah, just drive to the rim every time. Don't even like just drive to the rim. Don't ever shoot. Just drive to the rim every time. That's what I mean. And then if nothing's open, just kick it out. Like don't shoot jump shots, man. You can't do it. Okay, that's an aside. Anyway, back so, to Russell. D'Angelo Russell, he's not gonna shoot fifty one percent. That's obvious. But he is getting to the basket a lot more. He is finishing uh much better than he did last year. He is the entire Brooklyn Nets offense. And I think his shooting percentage definitely goes down. It starts trending back towards 40%. Uh, it would be out of, out of out of the minds of sane human beings to say he might average 43, 44% this year if he's finishing at this rate. Um, and I think he does continue to score 20 points a game, some – uh, however he needs to because i don't see anyone else on this team doing anything yeah he's got he's got to carry the load um so here's what i'll say about this i, I think i might sell high right now um for, for this reason alone i think that probably 42 i mean that's even a whole percentage improvement on a lot of attempts right we're not talking about a guy who's had minimal attempts so maybe that field goal percentage is kind of not as sticky, right? I mean, like, obviously, the more attempts you have, the more likely you're going to keep shooting that percentage. Um, the percentage has been bad. It's probably going to be maybe 42, maybe, like you said, 43. Like, even still, that's a negative. So if I own this guy, especially in, like, a rotisserie league, I don't think he's going to get seven assists a game. I think it probably trends to, like, five, five and a half, which even that would be a pretty big career high. Um, I think he's probably somewhere around 20 points, maybe 19, maybe 18. If that once that field goal percentage goes down enough, and so I think maybe you could sell this guy for someone who's struggling, like Jimmy Butler, maybe. I, I mean, mean like, yeah, if you can get Jimmy Butler, I mean, I would, I would take Mike Connolly. You know, what I mean, there's if panic. I could get him. And so I mean, there's panic all over. So kind of look at for somebody who's maybe had a few bad games. And sell D'Angelo Russell now at a real high watermark, saying, "Ooh, look how awesome he's been! He's shooting awesome. He's this, he's that. He's getting seven assists. He's gotten two steals a game, or whatever. You know, sell it however you got to sell it." Well, um, Ru- Russell works a little bit better than you know Dylan Brooks yeah. or whatever that guy's name is. Uh, Dylan Brooks has a great game, and you're like, "I'm going to try to sell him high." Everybody's like, "I don't even know who that dude is." But D'Angelo Russell's got a lot of name recognition. He's supposed to be a breakout player this year, and he might even be a breakout player this year. But the situation he is in, what you're saying, I completely agree with. His percentages are going to go down from where they are now. His free throw is always going to be in the 70s for a guard, which is not um, ideal whatsoever. So anyone who has like a hot streak, I think you should entertain selling high. But this has the extra juice of, oh, that's a sexy name. He's scoring 20 points a game. Uh, maybe he's a breakout player and a guy who doesn't know better that most of these players revert to the mean. You can sell high on him, get someone like Mike Connolly back. Yeah, so um, I guess that's my point. And 
here's what I what I say about it too. Float some offers. Even if you're in a league with some pretty experienced players, say, hey, man, interested in moving D'Angelo Russell. Maybe you trade him in a head-to-head league, D'Angelo Russell, and your last player on your roster for Mike Conley. I mean, I'd definitely do that. Yeah, why not? Last player on your roster you should be dropping anyway, so it doesn't really matter right. if you give up your last player on your roster. I mean, this is the time. You're, you're 100% right. This is the time to start – wheeling and dealing before people get um i guess in their minds who's good who's bad uh, you you kind of got to know what you got to have a idea in your head what your personal standings are and you have to realize the variance in the nba is is pretty high and everything will start moving like jimmy butler is not gonna finish outside of the top 100 like stop people who are panicking on jimmy butler are really losing their mind well, yeah, and, I mean, we're going to talk about some guys right now who are, like, ranked crazy high right here in a little bit, and yeah, it's just not going to last. So, I mean, it's important to remember that. It's a good sell high. I, I, I did really quickly wanted to get your uh, take on the Eric Bledsoe situation. Eric Bledsoe apparently tweeting out that he does not want to be here in Phoenix and did not play tonight. Sounds like he is on the move. Are you so, – uh, I mean, would you throw uh, – try to, to buy Eric Bledsoe right now? Because I think I would. Because I think no matter where he goes, I don't think he's going to go anywhere to be a backup. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, I mean, so let's let's start off first things first, right? Woj tweeted basically that he met with the – or Chris Hayes, I'm sorry, from ESPN, tweeted that he met with the team this morning and they basically sent him home. And the GM basically said he's not playing for the Suns anymore. So – I mean, he's going to be out for at least a few games here, you got to think, while they work out the trade and however long that takes, it takes. Um, Yeah, I don't see him being a backup for anyone. And the interesting thing, and I had this idea that I floated to someone and and I kind of think it's true, I think they kind of left Tyler Eulis in the backup role and started Mike James because I think they might be getting a point guard back in return for him. Interesting. That would make a little sense. And so you kind of, you know, I mean, this is like the pop thing, right? Like he keeps his, puts his, starts his third string guy uh, and leaves his backup in the backup role. Um, I, but Mike James has been dominating the minutes tonight. So maybe Mike James is actually ahead of Tyler Eulis in the pecking order. Um, new coach, hard to say what he's going to do. Really. That's true. Uh, I think a lot of people who own Eric Bledsoe, especially if they have someone else on their team who's either off to a slow start or missed a few games, uh, they have Eric Blitz on their team, and now he's missing games. They're probably going to be looking to to move some players. Like you could, you definitely want to start trading with those people because they're they're starting to get that panic. People out. Angelo Russell for Eric Bledsoe. Which one you want? Ooh. I want Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So, and so if uh, I'm, I'm if I have Eric Bledsoe on my team, he's getting traded. I'm like, great. This is great. Well, and what was what was my big worry? The whole you know the whole off season was that. Bledsoe was going to get shut down or the Suns were going to pull something crazy. Well, if he's moved, then what are we worried about? Yeah. Um, now he's probably going to go somewhere where he's actually going to be wanted. And on the flip side, Eric Bledsoe is going to want to play for this team. When Eric Bledsoe is motivated, when Eric Bledsoe is playing at his top level, he's another step above whatever he's doing right now. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And so um, I think that's something to look forward to. 
Uh, and I would try to definitely make an offer for Eric Bledsoe. You know, some people will panic real bad and say, oh, he's going to sit out for weeks, whatever. Like, I think they're going to find a trade this week at some point. And by next week, he'll be back in the lineup at least. And maybe even, I mean, they might even find a trade tonight and he could play tomorrow or Wednesday, Thursday, whenever. Yeah, we're going to have to keep an eye on that situation. If you are already involved in that situation, uh, I would hold Eric Bledsoe. Um why why not? So let's uh let's talk about some of the surprising performances. It's only been um it's been less than a week, right? Uh teams have played somewhere between two to three games, and there's not a giant sample size to rely on, but there's been some pretty surprising performances. And uh I'm gonna start with your boy. Someone by the way, someone that we recommended over and over. We gotta tout our horn when we when we can. Over and over did we recommend to draft this guy. Almost in every one of our Who Do, our, our Who Do You Draft podcasts, we recommended um, drafting old Nick Vujovic for the Orlando Magic. This guy is fourth on the ESPN player radar, and he's hitting threes. Tyler, are you excited about your boy? Um, yeah, so he's had a couple hot games, right? He had that 41-point night. Um when what was white side, I think missed and he, he took advantage. Uh, he looks good. He looks real good. Some of those numbers are not super sticky, but a lot of them are right. He's going to get somewhere around three assists. He's going to get over 10 rebounds. I've been telling you all, he's going to shoot probably pretty close to 50% this year. I believe that he's going to shoot a good free throw percentage for a big man, probably 75 to 77% somewhere in there. Um, he's probably going to average pretty close to 20 points. They're giving him the minutes. When he gets the minutes, he produces. He had a bad year last year. He had a bad shooting year. It happens. He's going to be a lot better. Um, I'm not. This is not even really a guy I want to sell high. I think a lot of guys are a lot lower on him than what his value really is. And so I'm probably just holding Vucevic at this point. Um, he's going to add some three-pointers this year. He's not going to shoot 50% from three. He's probably gonna do the Marcus All and add like one three pointer, not not two point three like he's been hitting so far this year. Yeah, I um, I'm a hold on Vujovic as well, and only in the sense that I, I mostly play with people who who know better. If I tried to move uh, Vujovic for Demarcus Cousins or Car Anthony Towns, people would uh, never trade with me for the rest of the year. It'd be like, you're an idiot. No one thinks he's that good. But if you play with a lot of, you know, first-timers, uh, people you know you can trick, or uh, <laughs> giant Orlando Magic fans, which I, I think there's at least four or five of them out there, you might be able to get some ridiculous return for Nick Vujovic right now simply because of the way he's playing. But where we had him, kind of in that 50 range, um, he's on the move. He's on the move up. And it's because of those three-pointers. He's going to give you the double-digit rebounds, which are super rare. Those The blocks that he's getting right now aren't going to last. Neither are the percentages, but he still gets very good percentages for a center. You throw in a little over a three a game, and and you're looking at a much better value than where you probably drafted him. Yeah, and a, and a real good shot to be a triple-one player, right, with a steal, a block, and a three, uh, which we know the rarity in that. So that's big. And then you're talking 19 to 20 points, those big 10 rebounds I'm talking about, probably a top 40 player. Well, what I'm most excited about is, is, is the minutes. He's playing over 30 minutes a game. It looks like they want to start him. It looks like 
perhaps that rotation is uh, has sanity has been brought to the Orlando <laughs> rotation. It only took a year for Scott. I mean, Frank Vogel to figure it out. Yeah, only a year. Thank God. And we don't know. Aaron Aaron um, Gordon has been out. So when he comes back, uh, Vujovic's touches usage will probably go down a little bit. But obviously, he's not going to be the third ranked player, fourth ranked player in the league moving forward, but he, you know, definitely could finish in the top 40. Yeah, and the thing about Gordon, too, is he's not like a huge volume shooter. So I think Vujovic, and, and we'll talk about another Orlando Magic player here if you want, Nevin Fournier, who's getting a lot of shots. I mean, I think Vujovic could easily lead this team in, in field goal attempts because, I mean, they don't really have a, a huge shooter, right? And I think that they kind of go to Vujovic at points to, to score the ball and, and get him out of trouble. Well, not if Aaron Fournier has anything to say about that. This guy... Um, has been averaging 19 points a game, hitting almost three threes per game with uh, four rebounds, four assists, over a steal a game, almost a block a, a game in the first three. 25-year-old, a guy we were both not too high on. What do you, what do you think about Fournier now? I mean, Fournier is what he is, right? I mean, he's going to get those big points like he got last year. I mean, he got 17 points a game last year. I, I think that's probably pretty sustainable. Um, the three point percentage so far is not sustainable. He's probably going to shoot somewhere like 37%. Um, the thing that kills him is just like no, no blocks at all. I mean, he's averaged his most in a season is 0.1 block per game. So that's never good. Yeah. To me, this is a sell high moment. If someone in your league for some reason thinks Evan Fournier is about to break out, great. He should be owned in all leagues, that's for sure, because he's a good scorer. He hits threes. But this is not sustainable. Even though he is shooting around his career average right now, um, what he's doing, I just don't think it's sustainable. Well, yeah, and if, if you're going to ask me who takes the hit from Aaron Gordon when he comes back, if it's Vucevic or Fournier, I think it's Fournier. I think that they're going to get the ball inside to Vooch and they're going to let Vooch score. And I think that if it's an outside attempt and the difference is Gordon or Fournier, I think they're going to go lean towards more towards Gordon. And so, I mean, Fournier is going to be a points guy and a little threes. If you need points, you need threes. Okay. You can have Fournier, but I think his value gets overblown at points. Uh, I'm with you hundred percent. Surprisingly, Orlando has some good fancy players this year. So that's, Positive for the people uh, living in one of the worst cities in America. The Orlando is there Magic any fans. other good city other than Chicago? Because every city you say is the worst city in America. There's not a lot. There's not a lot of good cities in in America. <laughs> New York's pretty cool. LA's pretty cool. Portland and Seattle are pretty cool. Denver's cool. Louisiana's cool. Louisiana's cool. Or not Louisiana. New Orleans. Same thing. New Orleans is cool. I've never been to Boston. I don't know. The people I've met from Boston are a little rude. Slightly rude. They got the sweet accent, though, so give them credit for that. They do have a cool accent. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, no, Orlando sucks, and I will stick by that statement. Speaking of um, Orlando, let's go to the Orlando, the Midwest, and go... <laughs> To Indiana, to Indianapolis, and talk about Darren Collison's hot start. A guy that we were – a late draft pick that we were kind of on. 
definitely 100% starting point guard in Indiana. Has taken a little bit of the load since uh, Turner has been out with a concussion. And is averaging close to eight assists a game. Yeah, that's not sticking, right? I mean, we can just throw that one right out the window. Yeah, I, I'm 100% with you. But Darren Collison is known to be a, uh, when he's in this type of position, right? Where he's in a uh, a role where he's basically the point guard. He's got the ball in his hands a lot. Um, he's playing over 30 minutes a game. He's standard league relevant. He does provide decent assists, not, not eight assists a game. But he's, to me... 100% ownable in all standard leagues. Yeah, and I think you can look at the last two years, and that's kind of probably what he's going to be, right? I mean, like, I don't think that this old dog is going to learn any new tricks. He's getting relatively the same amount of shots he was getting those last few years, um, relatively the same amount of free throw attempts. So I think that all the numbers are probably going to look similar. You know, he's going to be right around 13 to 14 points, get a steal, like four and a half, five assists, two rebounds. Yeah. Pretty good percentages. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to get anything new from this guy. No. Um, so it's a perfect sell high moment if you can sell high. If not, I mean, you got yourself a good back end player, but not much more. Yeah. You get a good, um, you know, low, low tier guard who occasionally puts up decent performances. It's better to have one of those, you know, lower guards that occasionally become a top 40 player for, you know, a couple weeks or so, because maybe they can put you over the edge certain weeks versus a guard like Jerry, Jerry Grant, who is going to probably be, you know, around the hundredth ranked player or, or worse, but then some weeks is going to just uh, take a big dump in the middle of the court in the middle of the game. Um, one of my favorite moments of, this is when I had to turn the Bulls game off. Uh, Jerry Grant pivoted for about, at least 15 full seconds and then threw the ball late in the shot clock to someone who had to throw the ball up. And I was like, well, I guess I will not be watching uh, many Bulls games. This I always think that's such a, a D move by the point guard. It's like he dribbles the ball out for like 20 of the 24 seconds. Right. And then he holds the ball for two seconds. And then with two seconds left on the shot clock, he just dumps the ball to someone and forces them to put up a horrendous shot while they're covered. And I'm like, oh, man, that was so shitty of you. See, that would have been great. Like, I would have taken that over what happened, which was, for some reason, Jerry and Grant drove in a little bit, picked up his dribble immediately after two dribbles, and then pivoted it around for 15 full seconds and then threw the ball. (laughs) Like, he wasn't dribbling the clock out. He was pivoting the clock out. It's insane. <laughs> Hashtag dumpster fire. Oh, my God. All right. Sorry. Had to get my Bulls rant in. Uh, let's go back to the Orlando of the Midwest, to the Indiana Pacers, and another guy on this team. Actually, there's a couple guys on this team to talk about, uh, but the one I want to talk about is my boy, uh, Victor Oladipo. I love this guy. Hot start. Amazing. 22 points. I'm not selling on this guy. I, I think – is this hot start sustainable, Tyler? He's only shooting 41%. Um, so I think he takes less field goal attempts when Miles Turner gets fully healthy. But at the same time, he shoots a better percentages, probably or somewhere around 44. So, I mean, I think this guy could be a 20-point scorer this year. Um, he's got a crazy amount of steals right now that aren't going to sustain. But I think a lot of the other numbers he could easily sustain – uh, yeah, he's looking real sexy right now. I would definitely rather have him than D'Angelo Russell, which may sound crazy to some people. Um, 
yeah, this is definitely a buying. If I, I might even buy him high. Is that crazy? I don't think so. I don't think that's a. I don't think that's crazy. And and buying high is a tricky. That's an advanced uh, fancy basketball move because everyone knows buy low, sell high, right? But when you start playing with everybody who knows to buy low and sell high, the tricks are is to to buy what seems like high, but turns out you're actually getting that player who's going to sustain those numbers. So you're actually going to be paying a proper price for a Lola Depot, and you want to trade someone who might be playing well now, but you're a little iffy on their on their injury history or or something like that. Uh, I'm Ola, all for I'm all for buying Ola Depot. Ola Depot or Bledsoe. Ola Depot. Yeah, and I think you. I mean, I would trade Bledsoe for Ola Depot right now, even though that's probably a weird trade. That could be a double trick, you know. Someone thinks Eric Bledsoe is getting a new opportunity; he's going to be really good. Oladipo is going to revert back. That, that yeah, might, that's a trick that works. And and so that that's kind of a, a move I'd be interested in making. Um, let me think. I'm trying to think of another good one. Um, let's see here: Kemba Walker, Oladipo. Um, that's pretty tough. I might want Kemba a little bit more. That's okay. a toss up. Fair enough on that one. So, I mean, we're kind of in that range, though, right, where, like, I think that he could be a top 20 player. I mean, that sounds crazy, but it could happen. Um, I'm probably trying to buy him at, like, a 30s or 40s price. If I could, um, I'd be pretty happy with that because I think he's going to return that value pretty safely. Yeah, definitely. I think he's going to kind of revert back to his Orlando days and and actually might be a little bit better than his Orlando days, uh, the – the field goal percentage isn't going to be there, but he's a, for a guard, he gets really good blocks. I, the steals, obviously, is not going to be close to three, but two steals, I could, that could happen. Yeah, I mean, he's, had, more he's had 1.7 steals, right? I mean, he's had that season. He's had 1.6. Um, I think he could easily get somewhere right in that general range. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's still an elite steals guy, even at 1.7. Here's a, here's a question I'm looking directly at while I'm uh, – out here on the internet, Oladipo or Jimmy Butler? Still Butler. I mean, I think Butler it's, could be a top twelve player, right? It's Jimmy um, Butler. It's Jimmy Butler. He was, it might be the buy low candidate of of the of the week. We, we should have that as a segment. Buy low candidate of the week is is Jimmy freaking Butler. Yeah, it's and the, it's important to remember. Uh, we we saw one bad game for Chris Paul, and then he got hurt. And we can talk about that if you want, but. It's important to remember that this takes time. It takes time for all these guys to kind of settle in these new situations and really figure out kind of where that what their role is, when they should take over, when they should let someone else take over. And so it's going to take time for these guys. Butler will have a, a bad couple weeks here. He might even have a bad two more weeks left, but then he'll settle in and he'll be Jimmy Butler again. Yeah, Butler's got a lot of bad tendencies from being on that Bulls team last year. And watching him play, him and, and, and Towns don't really even have much of a chemistry. Uh, their pick and rolls could be so much more effective. And that's just going to – like you're saying, it's going to come with time. Also, like Jimmy Butler, he doesn't know where people like the ball. He doesn't know what position they're going to be on the court. Same with Chris Paul. Like, it's going to take Chris Paul a little bit of time. And now that he's going to be out a month, it's going to probably take another month for him to get acclimated to this team. It's usually about a month, month and a half. Oh, these guys in new situations. It's usually how long it takes them. Um, Kyrie Irving might be a really good uh, candidate. He had obviously a really good start, but his shooting 
below 40% after that first game. And people might be questioning, you know, who, who's this guy going to be? Is he, is he even worth where I, where I picked him after these last two games of him shooting like crap? And uh, my end-of-the-year Kyrie Irving looks a lot more like his first game than, than his next two. Well, and Irving has this kind of unique opportunity now with Gordon Hayward gone to, at points, just be a chucker man, just take all the shots he wants to take, I think. Uh, Irving could be really, really, really good once he figures out kind of how he fits into that offense. Yeah, I think so. I, I think he could be close to um, averaging. I mean, since he's going to be the entire load there, he might cl- be close to averaging 30 points a game. It can happen. Yeah, right and now I mean, he's hitting 20, but it can if you're, you're asking me a player that could jump into that top eight, uh, he's he's right up there on that list. He's definitely part of the list for me as well. Um, let's go back to Chris Paul. What do you do in a situation where you obviously drafted Chris Paul on the turn in the first round? He comes out. Once again, Chris Paul has got a a nagging injury. He might be out three to four weeks. What do you do in that situation? Well, I mean, Chris Paul is not a guy you're going to drop, right? So um, you kind of saddled with him for a month here. And in the head-to-head leagues, that sucks. Um, especially if you don't have an IR spot, but it's not really the end of the world. I think you're going to get really good production from Chris Paul when he comes back. So I'm trying to just paper over the cracks. Now, the situation where it really, really hurts you is when you were light on point guards already and you were hoping Paul's 10 assists would be the boost you needed to be fourth or fifth in the category instead of dead last, and now you're dead last for three or four weeks. Um, obviously, that's that's not ideal. But you got to hold Chris Paul, so I don't really know if there's much you can do other than use those last couple spots to work the waiver wire, try to maximize your games, and just do the best you can. Yeah, it's just every. And by the way, everyone who's playing fantasy basketball this year will go through a situation where somewhere between two and three weeks, one of their best players is going to be out. You owning Chris Paul just happen to be lucky enough to have to go through that immediately, right at the beginning of the year. And Chris Paul is too good. Obviously, a lot of these players are too good to let go. But a lot of people ask, well, should I trade? Should I trade Chris Paul? Should I get rid of him? Should I try to trade him? To me, the answer is absolutely not because the whole point is to sell high and buy low. And you might be selling Chris Paul at literally his lowest point. Well, and it makes it super easy to panic, right? Because you can see the numbers more in the sense that, okay, if I lose a couple weeks like 6-3 in the middle of the season, I already build up a pretty good record, and so I don't see it that much. Whereas if I'm 6-12 and 12 after the first two weeks, right, like it's staring me in the face like, oh, man, my team needs work. Yeah, you're playing from behind, but the first three weeks and the next three weeks uh, pretty much equal the same amount. You yeah. still get ch- chances at nine categories. And on, to- on top of that, uh, you really don't even know how good – I mean, you could take a uh, kind of an educated guess, right? But those first three weeks, you might have been playing the best teams in the league. You don't know. Yeah, and it's hard to say, right? Um, so, yeah, just don't panic. Don't do anything crazy. Don't trade Chris Paul for Darren Collison. 
That's not how you win your league. It's a good um, way to lose your league. If you uh, if you could trade him for maybe John Wall or Kyrie Irving, that's that to me. That's trading in the same tier. Here's so one that, I, that kind of makes sense. Here's one I might even do. I might even take Victor Oladipo for Chris Paul. And here's my thought process behind that. Okay, if I think, which I I do think that he has the potential to be like a top twenty-five player, Oladipo. Okay. If I can get that top 25 player for the length of the season minus three games, or I can get Chris Paul, who's going to miss, let's see here, probably nine to 15 games, maybe 20. So 60, let's say, let's say 64 games out of Chris Paul or 81 out of Victor Oladipo. I might take 81 out of Victor Oladipo at top 25 to 30, as opposed to the Paul at top 12 or so for 60 games. Does that make sense? Um, I see what you're saying. I don't think I agree with you, though. Uh, maybe in a Roto League, I could be convinced where you have a, a max games limit. But uh, in a head-to-head league, I think I'd rather take the lumps this early in the season and then have a player like Chris Paul for the stretch. I'm with you there, but... And and I see this sometimes, right? Maybe Chris Paul really wasn't the best player for my team to begin with. Like, if he's my only assist guy in a head-to-head league, maybe I just go punt, full punt assist now, trade for someone like Victor Oladipo, take his stats, right? Which he's still giving me the great steals that Paul was giving me, maybe not quite as many. Um, the percentages are going to be a little bit worse than Paul's, right? Because Paul's always great at the percentages. But Victor Oladipo could easily score more points than Paul. Um, so, I, I mean, that's just kind of something to think about depending on your team. I'd agree that I'd probably want Chris Paul, but if you're super panicked, I don't know that I'd take anything less than like a top 25 player back for Chris yeah. Paul if I had to make a trade. I'm actually there with you on, on in that situation where you lose Chris Paul and you realize, oh, I was never good at assists. Um, never mind. I have no good point guards. I drafted an entire team, not around Chris Paul. Now you're, 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 you're the weight of players becomes different when you are looking at a, at a punt assist, um, strategy after your draft. And this happens, this happens all the time. Um, injuries or players that come out of nowhere, um, or just opportunity, right? Opportunity to trade with a with a team can, and you honestly should change your punt strategy if it's going to benefit you overall for the long term of the of the season. Yeah, I'm with you there, and so I mean that's just something to think about. I mean that's very team specific, obviously. In a vacuum, I I just don't want Chris Paul, but if if that's your build and that's what's happening, maybe you make that deal. Oh yeah, most almost almost advice. It becomes irrelevant until you until you actually know the league, the settings, the rosters, all that stuff. Um, but in a vacuum, um, Chris Paul definitely is the guy I'm going with. Uh, let's let's talk about some more surprising performances this uh, over the first week. Uh, let's go with Joe Ingles, one of your boys. Joe Ingles for the Utah Jazz. I wasn't sure if you wanted me to talk there or not. I mean, I can say a lot about Joe Ingles if you want me to, or, or you can Listen, you know, I, know, I know you can say a lot about Joe Ingles, which is why I was expecting you to just uh, just gush 
about his life, his family, <laughs> his time in Utah. Um, um, so here's the crazy thing about Joe Ingles, right? He's not going to score a lot of points. He's scoring 14.7 points right now on 8.7 field goal attempts a game. That's not going to sustain. And he's not shooting any threes. He has not gone to the line one time in the first three games. Okay? So if you're expecting big points, you're mistaken. But here's the nice thing about Joe Ingles. And I will say this. He's only 35% owned in ESPN leagues. You ESPN leaguers need to get your heads out of your behinds and pick this dude up. Is that, is that true? Yes, that is 100%. And it's up. It's up like 7% over the last like week, and it's still only 35% owned. Okay? So wow. if, if you play in ESPN, if he's not owned in your league, pick this dude up. This dude's a top 100 player because in 31 minutes, which is what he's playing, and he's going to play it. They don't have anything on those wings. They need him to play. Okay? This dude is going to get like a steal and a half to two steals a game. Makes him valuable. He's going to score somewhere around 10 points. He's going to shoot pretty good percentages for a small forward. He's going to hit you probably one to one and a half threes a game. I mean, he might even shoot more than that. I mean, he shot 44% from three last year, made one and a half in 24 minutes. He might even get you two threes a game. I mean, not a ton of rebounds and assists, like probably like three assists and maybe four rebounds. But I think he's definitely worth owning. Probably ends up being a top 100 player over the course of the season. So if he's on your waiver wire, that's a must-add for me. I'm with you on that one. Um, he is playing the Gordon Hayward role in the offense, even though he is not Gordon Hayward. And he's not going to shoot as much as Gordon Hayward. But Gordon Hayward did a lot of different things for this offense. He facilitated. And that's what, exactly what you're seeing with Joe Ingles. He's kind of uh, facilitating a little bit. He gets good steals. He gets good blocks. He hits the occasional three. He does everything. He's a nine cat, um, just like excellent across the board player. Yeah. And, and, and he, people... cannot, he needs to be owned. People are going to hate on him because he doesn't score a lot, right? We talk about this a lot. Points are sexy. He's probably only going to get somewhere around 10 a game um, over the course of the season, maybe 11 or 12, which isn't isn't a ton. People are going to be like, ew, I don't want that guy who scores 10 points a game. Yeah, well, everything else is really good, so you do want him. Yeah, he's averaging two steals a game right now. And I know it's a small sample size alert, but the guy's – Going to average, uh, you know, probably a yeah, steal and a half. One point two in twenty four minutes. So you're talking six more minutes. Yeah, I mean, he could easily be like one and a half, maybe yeah. one point. Uh, per thirty six, Basketball Reference projected him at one point seven steals per thirty six minutes. So he's playing thirty one. So probably, like I said, like one point four, one point five. Throw in uh, a, a couple three pointers, and throw in the fact that. Uh, the, uh, Lion, lion mode. Ricky Rubio is throwing him passes. Bearded Rubio. I mean, this is not. I, I you know, I love Ricky Rubio. We love Ricky Rubio, and uh, you know, Ricky Rubio is going to make everyone better on this team. Everyone. Ricky, Ricky Rubio makes everyone better on most teams he's on, doesn't he? Always, definitely. I think you're seeing uh, a little bit of that in Minnesota. I think they didn't know how reliant they were on Ricky Rubio to find open guys. And 
I'll say that this has been one of my better predictions so far, and I think it's holding, is that the whole reason I was so high on Rubio was I thought he was going to score more points, and he's scoring 14.7, and he's shooting 36%. So I think that he can probably bump that up a little bit, and he's going to probably score somewhere around 15 points a game, which makes Ricky Rubio that much more valuable. Yeah, I really uh, hope he starts shooting a little bit higher than 36%. It's kind of killing me right now. But he's getting to the line, and which he was you know, last year, but he's getting to the line pretty well at a good clip. And he's, he's, just, he's only just figuring out this offense. Like we said, it usually takes about a month for a new player to figure out his place and the other roles on the team, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Ricky Rubio is a, a quick learner, especially when it comes to finding open people. Well, yeah, wait, and Ro- wait, wait till he's comfortable. Well, and Rodney Hood's been doing some getting the, I don't know what's and sitting out and then playing off the bench, even though he wasn't supposed to play and just now he's hurt. So, I mean, that's also kind of gumming up the works there in Utah. Yeah. I think he came down too. with a case of the stinky leg. I think that's the official. <laughs> It Another sounds about right. Poor Ronnie Hood. Um, yeah, love me some Joe Ingles. Should be owned in all. Um, he's obviously not going to be this great of a player, but he should be owned in all leagues. But And Rubio, I'll say this about Rubio. He's another guy I'd buy high if I don't own him. Right now, in a Roto League, it's not that good because he's going to shoot a bad field goal percentage. So maybe I don't want him for that because he is going to take a few more shots this year. But in a head-to-head league, I would buy him high in the sense that I think he's pretty safe for like eight and a half to nine assists, 1.7 steals, and somewhere around 15 points, which sounds pretty sexy to me. Even in a Roto League, I mean, if you're – Ricky Rubio might hurt you a bit in the field goal category, but if you're able to sustain that a little bit everywhere else, he's going to be great. And if you're – if you need a bump – a hard bump and assists. There's no better place to look. Yes, sir. All right. Who any who else do you want? Any more surprising performances out there that you that you liked over the first week? Um well, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've been watching a lot of Sixers and they have just been been sexy so far. Um I, I know you've been watching a lot of Sixers. It's finally the time for the process to mature. So we had that crazy Bob Cove game, right, to start off the season where he hit everything, right? And you know, you know, you know, beautiful Bob is on my radar at all times. Um, so that was awesome, right? And then Bob's been playing well, and uh, he's the 28th player on the ESPN Player Raider so far. Um, he's going to drop a little bit from there, but Bob Cove is going to get a ton of three-point attempts in this offense, and he's going to make a decent clip of them. So. He's going to be maybe even a little better than we thought, I think. I agree. I know his uh, field goal percentage is way up right now, and that is not sustainable. But Bob Covington is much more open because of Joel Embiid and because of Ben Simmons. And all he does is shoot. He shoots threes. And if he's going to hit him anywhere in the above 43%, you know, like he's going to be great. And he's not he's not even getting I mean maybe it's because he's playing with Embiid, but he's not getting as many rebounds. So like there's there's room room for improvement here. He's still I think he's still got room for improvement for where he is now, other than obviously the shooting percentage. I think that that, that definitely takes a hit. But not not as big as a hit as as a, as is all going all the way down 
to below 40%, which he shot last year. Yeah, no, I mean, the temps just look more open. They, they, I mean, I, man, he's been playing well. I've been impressed with him. He's going to get more minutes too than he's been getting, um, which is crazy to think about. I would think, you know, he's only been playing like 24 minutes a game. Um, so that's something to look at. Um, Sarge has been the disappointment for the Sixers. Yes, he what, has. What is up with the Dario? I, you know, I really don't know. I have actually been watching a little bit more Sixers than I thought I would. And, um, you know, Robert Covington, probably like you were saying with Oladipo, probably a buy high scenario, um, in that case. But Dario Saric, oh man, I think I have to start dropping him in all my, all my standard leagues. Yeah, so I made that move. I don't know if you saw it. Um, I owned him in our listener league. I dropped him. Just not getting enough minutes. Not worth it. Not looking very comfortable when he's out there because he's not getting a lot of minutes. Um, if it be gets hurt, we'll talk. But until then, I, I'm not on the Dario bandwagon at 23 minutes a game. Yeah, even when Embiid uh, sat for his mandatory back-to-back sitting, Dario Sarge did not really like get a giant boost in his role and even with the uh, a handful more minutes he he didn't really take advantage of that now once again small sample size alert but it doesn't bode well and i don't want a guy who occasionally plays a lot of minutes and then most of the time doesn't like it's just not worth it in a standard league well and i think they realize too that he's best at the four and i mean we can talk about this if you want but ben simmons looked like two beasts rolled into one um, he's just been playing great, and so he's been getting huge minutes, and that's been really limiting Dario because Dario can't get on the court. Yeah, I actually do want to talk about Ben Simmons. Uh, I know he still doesn't know how to shoot, and he's not going to hit any threes, and his field goal percentage is going to be trash, but that guy's good. Dude, he's crazy. that guy is going to be a beast. Um, what's worrying me so far about his fantasy value, right, is there's not a lot of blocks and steals, which you don't like to see. But he's going to get rebounds and assists and bunches, and he's going to score because he's going to shoot quite a bit even though he shoots terrible percentages. That, that's actually for being a 6'10 guy who guards smaller people, why aren't you blocking more shots? It's, like you said, small sample size. But... He doesn't guard smaller people. That's the thing. They play a traditional kind of five there where he's the power forward on defense. It's just he runs the offense when they have the ball. So on defense, you'll notice uh, they have Jared Bayless in there usually to start and J.J. Redick who are guarding the guards. And Bob Cove is the three. Ben Simmons guards the power forward. Joel Embiid guards the center. It's just on offense where they get kind of goofed up where Bayless and Redick kind of just become spot-up shooters along with Bob Cove. And then it's kind of Simmons and Embiid just doing their – Greatness. Yeah. And finally, there's an entertaining product in Philly. Um, ben Simmons. Does he finish in the top 50 this year? Now, that's a tough question. Probably not because those percentages are going to drag him down enough. And if he's not getting steals and blocks, right, that's kind of – Four categories plus zero three-pointers. I mean, he's he's not going to make any threes, really. So that's kind of five categories down. The turnovers are going to be okay, but not great. Yeah, it's kind of a weird situation where 
a guy who gets rebounds and assists and points like that is hard to come by. When you look at his game in a nine cat like Roto League, it's you really want to also have those stats, but then you're like, I can't, I can't maintain this guy over 82 games because he's going to drag me down uh, immensely in, in multiple categories. I am with you there. Yeah, definitely a spot starter in Roto Leagues and um, probably someone I would still own simply because he's young, he's going to improve, he's just playing his first year. So um, let's you, uh, keep an eye on him. If you need 15 points and somewhere around 2.7 three-pointers per game, a great buy low would be Mr. J.J. Redick shooting poorly. A lot of people are, are giving up on him a little bit because he's not doing what they want. Uh, shooting 38%. I keep hearing, oh, it keeps missing all these open shots. Yeah, okay, well, he's getting a lot more shots and he's playing more minutes than he's played in the last few years. He's not going to keep missing those open shots. No, no, he's J.J. Redick, man. He he can shoot the ball, so that's kind of a, a little buy low there if you can get it. I'm with you on that one, too. Good call on that. Let's go over to OK City, where Steven Adams, a... Um, uh, after the Paul, George, and Carmelo Anthony trades have has become really the only big man in town. No Saboners, no penis canners, just Steven Adams. And he's averaged about 32 minutes a game, 13 points, 8 rebounds. He was always a very good steals big man, but he's averaging 2 steals right now and close to 2 blocks. Uh, definitely a great start for Steven Adams. Are are you sold on Stephen Adams being a top fifty player this year? Uh, top fifty, I'm not sure about that, but I mean, this guy looks good, right? He's getting huge minutes now. Not many shot attempts, but he's getting everything real close to the basket, so he's shooting real good percentage from the field. Um, the steals and blocks aren't sustainable, so he's not going to be a top fifty player. But I mean, let's look at this in the sense that he's playing. F- three more minutes a game. So could he be like 1.2 steals, 1.1 blocks, 12 points, like seven and a half to eight rebounds. That sounds pretty sexy for a big man. I think that if, if you picked him, he's probably going to give you a little more value even than where you picked him at. Yeah. He's not a two, two guy, but he's definitely a one, one guy. He's definitely going to be stealing a block. Uh, I'd like to see those rebounds go up a little bit. I know uh, old Russ is up to his old tricks getting all those rebounds. And um, I appreciate that because he's on uh, Russ is on a few of my teams, but yeah, Stephen Adams. I, I think those rebounds could tick up a little bit. The points could tick up a little bit, but overall, he's a really solid starting center. What he's doing right now isn't sustainable, but when it comes to the steals and blocks, but the percentages, the points and rebounds, all going to be there for the rest of the year. Yeah, and so I mean. He's not going to be like fantastic, right? I don't think he's going to see a huge jump in his value, but he's that that kind of guy that where you picked him, he maybe gave you ten spots of value. Maybe if he dropped a little bit in your league because he's not a sexy name, he gave you twenty spots of value. And if you get ten or twenty spots of value on every pick in your league, that's how you win. Exactly, that's exactly how you win. Speaking of someone who might not be giving you that type of um, production, probably maybe the opposite. At least right now, it is. Russ Westbrook over here on the Thunder 
currently ranked, I, be, I believe, 34th overall, shooting um, 55% from the line, 44% overall. What, what do you think about the uh, the new big three experiment here in OK City so far when it comes to fantasy? Um, so Russell's deferred a little bit more. And I don't know that's a terrible thing. I mean, okay, we can talk a lot about Russ's amazing triple-double season, which it was, but he also shot 42.5% because he was chucking a lot, right? Just trying to get a lot of points. And I think that Russ backing it down a little bit could mean that he shoots like 45% now. Um, and he's just going to take some more shots as the game goes forward. He's also going to tick up those steals numbers. Um, Russ is going to be fine. Russ is probably going to be closer to like 24, 25 points though than the 31 he averaged last year. Yeah, this might be a weird moment for Russ right now because I think a lot of people maybe drafted him thinking they're going to get 30, 10, and 10 like he got last year or 28, 9, and 7 uh, because of the additions of Paul George. But right now he's averaging 19. Still nine rebounds and still 11 assists, close to 12. And I'm with you. He's got better people around him. Uh, what's dragging is actually his rating down right now is, as always, his turnovers. But he's shooting, like I said, 50, 55% from free throw, which will immediately revert to the mean within the next month. Yeah, he'll, for be, 80, shooting, yeah, he'll be shooting 84%. 82.2% for his career over... Yeah a ridiculous 4,847 attempts. That number seems pretty sticky to me. Um, he's going to shoot in the 80s, not in the 50s. Yeah, let's all, let's all settle down about that. But also, he's going to take less shots because he's, he can defer more. That's going to help his percentage, I would assume, because he's taking less hard shots. But also, Mello shooting 44%, which is very mellow. Paul George is only shooting 37% on 20 attempts. That's going to go up, which means Russ Westbrook's assists are going to go up. I'm fairly certain Westbrook's going to lead the league in assists this year. I'm throwing it out there. Hot take. I'll back you. Um, I, I think it could happen. I mean, he was right up there last year, right? Um I think it's it's a good possibility. I mean, you got to look at John Wall probably getting more than 10, but, I mean, Russ could get, like, 11. I could see Russ being at 11, and that's 12. not crazy. I'm not stopping at 11. I'm going all the way to 12. Um, and I think that maybe it's not nine rebounds, but maybe eight, eight and a half. I could definitely see maybe nine. I don't think it gets all the way up to 10 like he had last year. I think it maybe goes down even a little bit more than what it is right now in the first three games. But it's going to be – an elite, elite rebounder for a guard. The good steals are going to come back. He's going to be a Russman. He's going to be right up there. Yeah, I'm not worried about Russ. I'm also not worried about Paul George or Mello on this team either. They're going to do the things that they normally do. And um, they're going to play, looks like, aggressive amount of minutes because this team is incredibly shallow. And that's um, a really good sign for people who own them in fantasy. You want your players not to play 28 minutes. You want them to play closer to 38 minutes. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. Cool. Um, any other surprising performances that you'd like to talk about? I think um, we hit the, the major ones. I want to talk good about ones one anyway. more. And it is a Detroit Piston. Oh. 
it is Mr. Reggie Jackson. Okay, now everybody was hating on old Reggie. Right, no one loved Reggie. Poor Reggie. I feel bad yeah, for the man. I in fact saw some standard leagues where he was on the waiver wire after the draft, which is a little too far. Okay, now Mr. Reggie through three games is the 19th ranked player on the ESPN player eater. So, here's what I want to ask you. Good for him. What about Reggie's performance do you not think is sustainable here? Because I think we may be. I mean, obviously the injuries are one thing, right? And that's really what held his value down is that he didn't play last year hardly at all. He played 52 games. So that held the value down. The question for me is what's not sustainable about this production so far? Because it's looking like it might be pretty sustainable. So he's healthy, right? He's finally healthy. He wasn't healthy last year. Uh, Obviously only playing 52 games. He is right back to playing close to 29 30 minutes which he has for most of his season you don't like the fact that sometimes he's not going to close games but let's 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 go ahead and look at what he what he's doing shooting 40 percent. that's very sustainable in fact uh, you would think he would shoot a little bit better than that steal and a half yeah, it might be a little high he's Split- He's only averaged over a steal a game in one season. That was all the way back in 2013-14. So that's probably the one, right, that it's not going to sustain. Yeah. I mean, he's 27. He's entering his prime. He's healthy. But that's that's probably not sustainable. But about a seven assist, I think it's very sustainable, especially if everybody on this team is going to be hitting their shots, right? Four and a half rebounds? Okay. It seems a little high, but if it drops, what, to 3.8, who cares? A three and sixteen points a game. Yeah, and what, what's 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 gonna get worse? If anything, I, it'll get better. It's the steals, right? And I think that the, that he's gonna shoot a better percentage, and he's gonna probably maybe even shoot a few more attempts. I mean, I think he could score the eighteen point eight points or so he scored now last season, but the season before when he was healthy. Um, I think the minutes are gonna tick up a little bit, perhaps. The steals are the thing. He's not going to give you steals or blocks for a point guard, which you don't like, okay? But this is another guy where I might try to buy him. I mean, he was kind of a late-round pick. Usually he was most people's bench player. Yeah. If, and, you, if you can give a kind of a later-round bench player guy for Reggie or, you know, the end of your starter guard, I mean, I would trade Darren Collison for Reggie Jackson. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'll throw a couple more at you here. Just try to get a feel of where you're at on Mr. Reggie Jackson. Yeah, let's do it. Um, let's see here. Tim Hardaway, been playing terrible, right? Maybe yeah. some people are a big fan of Tim Hardaway. I'm definitely wanting Mr. Reggie Jackson over him. I'm, I'm still a fan of Tim Hardaway. I would buy low on Tim Hardaway or pick him up off the waivers even if he's out there, but I'm taking Reggie Jackson over him. Uh Patrick Beverly, a man making a lot of headlines. Love Pat Bev, Chi-Town product. Uh, I'm taking Reggie Jackson. Yeah, me too, right? So, I mean, there, there's a couple guys. Um, let's see here. I'm trying to find a good one, a juicy name. Eric um, Gordon or Reggie Jackson? I think Reggie Jackson for the season-long value, although Gordon is going to light it up while Chris Paul is going. Eric Gordon's playing really well with Chris Paul going. Everybody go pick up Eric Gordon, one of my uh, pickups of the week. 
Um, let's see here. Avery Bradley or Reggie Jackson? Teammate battle. Wow. Now that's a good one. Avery Bradley is slow start. Reggie Jackson hot start. Who boy. I'm gonna have to go with Reggie Jackson. He's a point guard. Yeah, me too. All right, and that's I think maybe a deal that you can easily make. And obviously you're taking on some risk, right? Reggie might break. But sure. um at that value, right? Like, okay, Avery Bradley's probably like a top sixty to seventy-five player, right? Like you're not giving up a whole ton. And I think you can probably offer less and trade it for less and get yourself a nice little steal there in Reggie Jackson. I'd agree. And I know we said not only is what he's doing sustainable, but he could probably be better. I'm not saying he's a top twenty player. He I think he could be a top sixty player this year. Well, but and and what's important to think to know that into the top twenty not gonna have it. That was ESPN Play Raider, and the steals number is super high right now because he's getting two a game. That two a game is gonna drop below one, and that's actually gonna be a negative value for him. And right now, it's a huge positive value, so that hurts that Play Raider value a ton. Yeah, that is a bit misleading. Um, do you have any other? Uh, since we were talking about pickups, any pickups of the week for you? Anybody you picked up off the waiver wire in your teams? Uh, I mean, feel free to state how big that league was, but. Um, and, and any pickups of the week for you? Well, now, my friend, I wrote a great article for Hashtag Basketball. Maybe the cool. best article I have personally ever written on Hashtag Basketball. Great um, It is called the Week 2 Schedule Primer for Fantasy Basketball. Ooh. And what I did was, and this isn't going to help you weekly people, but I wrote that at the beginning of some guys who are playing four games, right, who are low-owned that you could pick up and – play in your roster as a, over one of your back-end guys. Then I did for a lot of you people in head-to-head daily leagues, right? A lot of people like to cap the number of game, a number of pickups you can make each week, whether that's at seven, whether it's at five, or whether it's at three. Okay, when it's at like five and three, you want to take advantage of back-to-back sets, right? Because you can pick up a player, get two games out of them, then drop them and help yourself. So I went through each day. Now, there were no Monday and Tuesday back-to-backs, but every other two days I went through, I listed the teams that are playing and some potential pickups, what they're going to give you. Um, It's kind of a a great tool here if you're looking to maximize your games in a head-to-head league, and that's one of the easiest ways to win a head-to-head matchup is to maximize the games, especially in the categories you think you're going to lose, right? That, That five or six rebounds you get from, a player in two straight games, that 10 rebounds could be the difference between you winning the week by five or losing the week by five. So check it out. It's on hashtag basketball.com. It's a really good tool. Um, just know how to use it. That is that is an incredibly useful tool. I am going to have to go check that out. I did not know that was out there, and I cannot wait to use that against you when we match up in our league. Um, so here's the cool part about it. I am hoping, and, and it didn't work out yesterday, unfortunately, I'm hoping to start making that a podcast on Sundays. So on Monday, you can listen to it. And it's a great tool to use in your weekly leagues. It's really important. So, I mean, that's hopefully coming to your ears next year. Yeah, don't, don't promise the people, don't promise the listeners what you can't deliver, Tyler. You got to be um, there for them on Sundays. Oh, uh, yeah. So uh, it didn't work out this Sunday, but next week I'm looking to do it. And then I'll probably do the article too. So you kind of get the double whammy. You can listen to the pod and you can enjoy the article and you can just put it all together. 
Everybody's getting their hopes up for this. So that's uh, I'm getting my hopes up for this because I'm I'm gonna need that primer. Um so yeah, so uh check it out. I, I mean really give it a click, give it a read. I think it's worth it. Um I, I listed a lot of players in there. And yeah, just enjoy it, man. Perfect. Well that is I think a good place to um call this one a podcast as any. Go check out Tyler's incredibly useful tool. I'm actually gonna go check that out right now because I got some ads and some drops that I need to focus on in my head-to-head leagues. Um, as Tyler mentioned, streaming is probably the easiest way to get a leg up in your head-to-head leagues. I barely won a few categories in some of my head-to-head leagues, and it was simply because I played a, a couple more games than the other guy. Uh, Kelly Oubre uh, really came through for me in the clutch. Oh, good old Kelly. Yeah, it's always a good – and he actually had real crap games, but he's still – uh, still helped, and that's it's that sheer numbers that always works. Um, and and here's here's another thing I'll say, right? Um, if the percentages are pretty decided on on a Saturday Sunday thing, I sometimes pick up a guy who's crap in percentages because I need two steals to win the week, and he plays a Saturday Sunday back to back, and he gets a steal a game. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know what I like to do? I like to pick up the Sunday Monday guys. There you go, and then you get a free win for the next week, and that's that's a good a, tool too. You get a free ad on the next week. It's always a, it's always a sneaky move. Uh, but we'll get into more pickups and ads. I think tomorrow night on the show, uh, we'll we'll talk about a lot of our waiver wire moves uh, that we've seen over the first week, and uh, probably get a little bit more in depth on some of these teams and some of the games that we've been watching. Tyler, where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at Watsy4444. Cool. And you can find me at Watch the Boxes, all one word, on Twitter. And if you like the podcast, if you like what we're doing, please rate us and leave us a review. Uh, that helps us the most. It allows us to continue to provide this podcast to everybody and uh, helps people find the podcast. And obviously, you're in a fantasy basketball league. Tell your friends, tell your family. Send Christmas cards with a link uh, to the podcast, even though it's not Christmas. Do it anyway. Do it right now. Find a Christmas card and send it in the middle of October to someone with a link, even though it's a link inside of a paper card. This is a really bad marketing scheme, Tyler. I, I regret going this far. Um, I'm still saying take your girlfriend's phone, just rate, review, subscribe to the podcast on it. Give it back to her. Say, here you go. That's our best. That's our best marketing scheme: is stealing phones <laughs> for rating and reviewing, and then giving it back to the person, so you're not actually committing a crime. Yeah, no, I mean, just be nice to them. Um, it, your grandma, that's perfect, right? Because your grandma won't know what happened. No, you got a grandma. You know, just take her phone. Say, grandma, let me check out your phone. I've been thinking about getting that one. Right, refuse, subscribe, give it back. Oh, here, grams. I don't like it. It's not for me. Well. You might regret that because all of a sudden your grandma might be whooping your ass in fantasy basketball. Hey, if my grandma can beat me in fantasy basketball, all the power to her. She might, she might be able to. So we'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining us, everybody, and uh, have a good one.